Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Cardiff Central Podcast. Hello everyone and welcome to Cardiff Central, the Cardiff Rugby Supporters Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Fletcher, and I'm joined this evening by Carwin, as always. Carwin, how are you? Good, thanks, mate. Yeah, in the middle of uh, house renting process, so enjoying that as much as anyone will and anyone can. But otherwise, not too bad yourself. Uh, yeah, not too bad. Um, I've got one of those unlimited cards, um, you know, for the cinema. Um, I went to see The Exorcist because it's spooky season. I absolutely hate horror films. I don't know why I do it, but there's some kind of sick pleasure um, sitting there waiting for the jump that you know is going to happen eventually, and then it comes and you jump out your skin. Um, I did that just because the new one's out. It looks awful, but I'm going to have to go probably on Friday. Um, how are you? Yeah. Are you any good with horror films? No, I'm absolutely terrible. I jumped at, um, <laughs> don't know if you remember, don't know if you've seen the Harry Potter films. You know, the like seventh yeah. one, the snake comes out the, uh, the old lady's <laughs> yeah. head, jumped, jumped out my skin at that one. So this is not them, exactly a high bar. I wouldn't describe them as horror necessarily, but... Um... <laughs> Oh, I'm absolutely awful. I, I, yeah, I just... well, so, some people love them, and I'm in the category where I kind of like them. I think they've got good stories, but I kind of hate watching them, but I, I like how much I dislike them, if that makes sense. There's some yeah. weird draw about them. I like yeah. um, there were some ones that are like Happy Death Day, where there's like a cyclical, where you're stuck in a loop, mm. things like that. I quite like Happy Death Day. is not really a horror, but you know what I mean? That, that idea of a loop where you're stuck in that, yeah, and yeah. you've got to try and get out of it. That's a bit more interesting, I think. Um, Get Out as well is, is a good film. Um, yeah, that's always a good one, yeah. Yeah, and uh, you know, going back in time, the others was is one that I have seen, didn't mind too much. But yeah, there aren't there aren't many on the list of spooky films that I'm prepared to go and see. I, I'm I'm not a big fan of clowns, so when It came out, it was like my worst nightmare. Oh yeah, that's just like, I refuse. <laughs> yeah, that's one of those. It's one of those. That's one of the horror films that kind of every, well, not everyone, loads of people went to see just because it was so big. Like normally, they just kind of like. There's always a, a scary film one at the cinema, but that one was the one that everyone went. Oh yeah, I'm going to make a thing for that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that character was awful. He was he was disgusting. But <laughs> it's one of those things like you can't 
you don't want to see it, but it's like you can't turn away. You, you need to know what's what's going on. Yeah, um, I think that's that's the draw of horror, isn't it? It's, it's that um, you need to know. Whereas I, I just do not. It's the same. I have the same thing with cringe films. You know, the yeah, you know, people yeah. people really like that sort of Hugh Grant. He can't get his words out to ask her out thing. I just think I don't want to know. Just just yeah. if it happens, I'll come back in two minutes when he's got through the cringe bit. It's yeah, I've got I've, the same I've, thing. I've tried and failed on three different occasions to finish the Inbetweeners film. Um, I just can't because. Uh, I used to like the series, but I'm just sitting there and it's so awkward and so cringy. I just feel like I need to get out of the room. Like I, I need to leave the situation that they're in. And I just, you know, I, oh, I can't watch that. Yeah, movie. I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. I don't know uh, how so, we're going to link this now to rugby. But oh, I've got an idea. I'm yeah. Enjoy it. <laughs> I've got an idea. So talking about things that we love to watch, but also hate to watch. Uh, there's the rugby at the weekend. Um, Ospreys versus Cardiff, the first... Sorry, the second uh, preseason game, but the first away preseason friendly. Um, did you manage to watch it? Yeah, I watched most of the second half. It was first half I missed because I was I was in studio busy working. But um, yeah, second half I watched the stream, and from what I saw, it was a bit of a game where no one really took the ball by the horns. Um, no one took complete control of the game either side. But Ospreys. Well, I was talking about it the other day, and Ospreys in some ways maybe were a bit fortunate to win, but at the same time, I don't think either team deserved to win as such. I think both teams, a draw would have been a fair result if Arwell kicked that conversion mm. from the from the touchline at the end. Um, I thought Arwell did play well, actually, off the bench, but as as I've started on him, I thought he did look lively and look as if he was going to create things, make things happen off um, from fly half. So that's, that's definitely a positive, and I'm excited to see him this season, I've, I've, as I've said already two times on these pods so yeah, yeah. Um, but in general yeah it's, it's, it's still difficult to tell isn't it yeah I think of the two the, the second half was much worse generally it, it did pick up but um, I managed to watch all of it so in, in the first half you know we were really really composed I think you've watched the worst half of the two if you'd watched the first half you'd be a lot more positive I think because um, it's probably closer to our starting team that we that we spoke about last week mm. Um and yeah, the forwards were more controlling. I don't think we finished a scrum without getting a penalty for it. Um, which compared to the game against the Scarlets was, you know, we said that was probably the weak point. And then the lineout was working really well. And um, yeah, the set piece put us in a really good position. There was some really good attacking play um, in the first half. I don't think there was really anything you could really say was a massive fault. Um, uh, Tinnis de Beer again was really good. Uh, you know, we've we've kind of I've spoken about him a lot already. Um, he's good with ball in hand. He seems to really want to attack the line and kind of punch a hole through. And he's got a nice little offload, which against the Scarlets led to a try. Um, it didn't on this occasion. And I did that thing where you message someone and say, "Oh, the defense is really good," and then they immediately score a try. But I think apart from that, like one, um, well, like one or two missed tackles, and then. That led to a try after that. The scramble defence was quite good. That was really pleasing to see. Um, they made a lot of changes at halftime. I think that's why it kind of disrupted. And if that's when you start watching, you think, oh, well, um, it's gone to pot, really. I think the, it's a lesson for some of the youngsters in terms of the game management. Mm. Um, and then they did build back up into it. I think the last 10 minutes, we were kind of back, sort of in charge-ish. Um, so I think, as you say, over, overall, I think Australia's would be happy with the win, but I'm not that disappointed with the loss. It could have, if he'd made that kick, it would have been a draw. Um, 
Do you think anyone else stood out apart from uh, Arwell that you thought saw in the second half? Well, you know, Theo stood out for his for his finish. Uh, uh, same as the the Alatemus Summerhill try. I thought that was really good. Um, those two started preseason pretty well. Uh, well, Theo's started on fire, which is absolutely mm. brilliant to see, especially after his, I think it was nine months out, something like that. So fair play to him for coming back. Um, apart from that, I'm struggling to think of any others that stood out. I, as Like I said, I missed the first half, but to get scrum penalties continuously against Reese Henry, who was tearing apart a Saracens front row towards the end of last year is, is good good going. So, um yeah, any anything about Reese Carey doing well in the scrum is positive for Cardiff, and that's that's something that needs to continue really into the season because that's well, I think we could all agree being the weakest part of his game, apart from maybe more defence in the past two three years. So um, yeah, if he's if he's winning scrum penalties continuously, that's a that's a positive going forward. Yeah, um, I thought Alex Mann had a good game in the first half again. Um, yeah, we sing his praises last last week. Um, he was with both them and Ellis Jenkins. It's good to see Ellis Jenkins back. Um, because obviously he was out for a long time. Um, and to get parity with the Ospreys back row um, was really good. You know, they've they've got a really strong back row. I think they were, that's pretty much their starting back row. Um, so, you know, for someone as young as Alex to be sort of neck and neck with them, and not necessarily neck and neck, but, you know, not not on the back foot, um, was really good to see. Mm. Um and Mackenzie came on in the second half again, replacing both of them. Um, he thought we had quite a good game. I think the difficulty in the second half was it wasn't so much um, necessarily all the, the youngsters as such. It was uh, the defence went a bit south because they were kind of falling off tackles a bit. Um, so it was kind of a lesson in um, getting up to speed when you're coming off the bench, I guess, maybe a little bit. And then the kick chasing wasn't very good. Uh, the tactical side of it, you know, we were kicking far too long and that just lent. The uh, the Ospreys could get back into it, get hold in the game. Really, um, yeah, I do agree. I, I think think that gave plenty of time to the likes of Jack Walsh or Max Nagy at fullback, whoever's there. And it, Jack Walsh is is a player who you put him under pressure, you don't know what will happen. Um, he can crumble and has crumbled in the past. So to give him so much time, I thought was a bit of a mistake. Um, but as you mentioned, the back row, I, I. Probably going to mention it at some point, but with uh, the the news that came out on the back of the Wales um, Georgia game with Falatau, be interesting to know what you think that back row should be um, going ahead uh, to the start of the season. Yeah, I think uh, both of them played well at eight when he was um, in the first half. I think you think realistically we probably weren't going to see Falatau before the Champions Cup anyway. No. Um, so really, it was you're not gonna, you know, we'll come back onto it later. But losing Falato is huge for everyone. Um, mm. In terms of the start of the season, or you know, up till really Christmas, it's probably not gonna affect us much. We're probably gonna have to, we were gonna have to have a, an eight to replace Falato anyway. Um, you also think for Wales, we'll come back on later, but um, there's not a apart from probably Morgan Morris. You think who's who's the the heir to the throne because Falato has been around for a long time and you know he's such a, a world-class player that's probably one of the few recognized Welsh players at the moment that is recognized as world-class um you know it's difficult to see where that it's going to be a big he's got big shoes to fill um so I think probably both of them is the most likely mm. 
and then that frees up the debate of whether you start him or Thomas Young um, and Ellis Jenkins back that might throw in that into a bit of debate and then there's who's number six I think they've been they've been playing well with Turnbull or uh, Timani at six for a bit and then they swap him into the second row um, Shane Lewis Hughes played, had, a, had a really good game as well I meant to say him he um, the, strong, the scrum was really strong so his question of last week was the scrum was shaky because he's playing out of position um, I saw an interview with the head coach saying um, actually he's, they, they've worked on that for, a, for that reason it's not just um, versatility it's more adding a string to his bow mm-hmm. um, you also think apart from him and Teddy Williams who or Rory Thornton was were, made an appearance um, I suppose it's difficult to know who the starting second row pairing is going to be yeah I suppose that second row pairing ideally on paper is uh, either Turnbull depending on what you do with him or Seb and Tamani maybe yeah um, it seems we, know... you, seem, you seem to have some who are second rows and then some who are Number six slash second rows, whereas we don't seem to have many people who are out and out locks at the moment. Um, yeah. I suppose they've they've we doesn't help that Cardiff have either trained or recruited an unbelievable amount of back rows. Um, you know, it's, it seems that we've got a back row factory in full force. So I guess the taller of them are going to naturally migrate to the the gap. But um, I mean, Shane Lewis Hughes was a workhorse. So I think he was chasing down a kick at the seventy fifth minute. And he'd started, um, and I thought Turnbull's work rate was huge. And mm. you know, he got apologists after the match for his his work rate. So, um, yeah, I suppose number eight. I think both of them is he's so versatile, he's so good, um, he's really reliable. And yeah, he scored a try, which was really he shouldn't have scored. Do you think he had two or three tackles on him? Did a lovely little sidestep, and then still managed to fight his way to the line. So, um. I'd say probably him and then uh, Big Mac off the bench to uh, get himself more experience and more game time for the last 20, maybe, depending on which other back rows slash second rows you got on the bench, I guess. Yeah, I, I personally think Alex Mann should start. Um, I really like him. Um, I, as, I, I, as, as number eight? Six. As six, yeah. Stick him at six. Keep him at six. I think he is a six. I don't want to mess him around, especially at this stage. I think... If you play him at eight in halfway through the season, fair enough, but let him establish himself first. And I think he is, I think he's born to play six and I really like him there. Um, spoke to Griff Reese, academy manager before um, season, a couple of weeks ago, actually. And he said that is the player he's most excited for is, is mm-hmm. Alex Mann because he's served his apprenticeship. I've mentioned this a couple of times, but yeah, I, I'd say Alex Mann. And then you've got so many options as to who who's your bench option. As you say, Mackenzie Martin, Alice Jenkins. Um, I, th- I think Thomas starts if he's if fits whenever he's fit. So um, and both of them as well. I think should start whenever he's fit as well. So it's it's, it's about getting whoever on the bench. The balance. Yes, you've got three smaller guys, but you do have a guy in both of them who certainly carries his weight and um, manages the workhorse. And then the the only issue being is. As you mentioned, you've mentioned the second row issue is that both second rows, if you've got two sixes slash second rows in the second row, they are going to be slightly lightweight. Um, and I think that is the problem that Cardiff have had and going to get going to have. Um, but 
if you stick to Marnie in there, at least you've got a big presence. And then Turnbull's experience should help. The only thing then is your line out. And, um, but I haven't got answers basically for that. The, the, as I said, the, that starting pack on Friday's game was really good. Uh, the yeah. line out, I don't, obviously, it's difficult without being able to see the replays, but, um, I don't think we missed many line outs. If we missed any, the scrum was solid. Um, you know, so, and, you know, there's no notice of all. We weren't getting bullied. Normally, you go away to the Ospreys, and the front five are so aggressive and physical that you you, you know it. And they're they're lining up their line outs to the, to the driving wall. That's one of their set pieces they're renowned for. I think that's that's what won them the game against Cardiff in the festive derby this year. Just gone, mm-hmm. um, and they didn't have that supremacy this time. So obviously, they don't have their international pack but then they're not going to have that till at least December anyway so um, I think the way they've done it is I think potentially it could work I think we'll have to see how it fares in the actual league um, against specialists but you never know I suppose. yeah we'll have to see um, before we shift on from Cardiff we've got to mention one thing which is obviously Hallaholo the big man watch yeah Willis watch Willis watch sounds a bit sounds a bit um <laughs> Too close to something else, but um, <laughs> yeah, I uh, great to see him back in it. It is, it's brilliant. But um, is it false hope for Cardiff fans? Is my only concern. What, what if he, you know, if he, if he starts performing well in preseason, gets a contract, and then ends up going somewhere else? Yeah, it's a tricky one. I mean, it's it's great that we could see him have another run out, and it's a shame it wasn't at home because you know Lilo got a massive cheer and he he would have got a standing ovation. Um, it's good that the club can give him that rehab time. Um, I think the club were quite clear that it is for rehab, not for getting him ready for Benetton. But uh, the, Matt, uh, Matt Sherratt said they'd love to have him back if they can. They're, they're hopeful that they can come to an agreement, but you, you'd hope that they wouldn't be making those sort of comments unless there was some hope. I, I mean, the fans are really hopeful. And, yeah, as you say, it would be quite, quite cruel to... Be saying some things if they're not genuinely making an attempt in the background, or if there's, if they're at, if they're at the salary cap, then you'd rather know now. I think one of the other things, and this is almost uh, a positive through omission, is there's a lack of twelve signings. You look at that twelve position, apart from Ben Thomas, I'm struggling to think of many other names that fit in there. Harry Millard's played there, but he's, he's not a twelve really. Same with Lilo, so. Hallaholo, there's a gap there for Hallaholo to fill, if, if you understand what I mean. So, um, yeah, evidence through omission is is one thing. So I'm hoping hoping he, he gets to go back because he wants to be there. Cardiff fans want him to be there. Lilo wants him to be there, obviously. Yeah. So, yeah, so um, I, I, I'd really like to see him back in a Cardiff shirt. He's he's such a brilliant player when he's on it. Yeah, he, he sometimes has the odd bad game, same as any other player. But in terms of having that bit of X-factor, he's probably, there aren't many Cardiff players like him. In, in short, you know, you, you talk about your Thomas Youngs, your Matthew Morgans can do the X-factor and probably Hallahollas, your other X-factor yeah, player. Yeah, you're right. When he's, when he's firing, when he's on it, he is absolutely on it. And as you said, it's one, he's one of those players where you don't see a club level necessarily where everyone, everyone leans forward it. You know, there's a, there's a buzz of yeah, excitement yeah. When, when he gets the ball and, yeah, and also I think, as we said, that necessarily this season isn't about performances. 
It's about making sure that all the off-field stuff is gone. And, you know, we see some positive signs around the culture of the club and that. And it'd be such a good feel-good story to start the season off. And it would, it would in some ways, taper off and take some of the the sting out of the last season a mm. little bit. Because it'd be, yeah. it'd be a happy ending for someone. And, you know, it's a shame we can't do the same for everyone. You know, our hips still just been let go even though he was injured and, and it's a similar sort of situation there so um i think just if they announce the news this week or next week and you know just seeing him run out at the arms park for their opening game that would be such a a mood booster for the fans um mm. it'd almost be worth it just for that and then if he if he does get his form back um and you know him and lilo tearing up in the midfield that's that's what that's what dreams are made of, and, that, and that's why you sell tickets. Really, is is seeing that kind of interaction with the crowds. I think. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. I'm really excited about it. Um, but I don't want to get too excited because <laughs> he might just be let go, and it's yeah, we can't afford him, or we've reached a salary cap, or um, like you said, he wants to play for us. We all want him to play for us. Cardiff want him to play for Cardiff and need more centres. So, um, it's literally just putting pressure on the new owners to try and sign him if they can. It might not be, it, if it's a salary cap, then there's nothing to do with it. But you'd hope they wouldn't be talking about um, before the game on Friday, they were talking about um, strength and depth at centre, having him on the bench. Um, you wouldn't. You, it, I read that and thought, well, he's not going to be there much longer unless the rehab goes into the season, which I'd be surprised about. But, mm. yeah. uh, so talking about the season... Um, how do you think we've done over the preseason? Do you reckon we're ready for Benetton in a week and a half? Um, You're shaking your head. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. I'm not shaking my head, and I'm not looking positive. I'm definitely more positive than I was three weeks ago. That's the first thing I should say is because I thought three weeks ago I thought I looked at the squad. I saw how many players are left. I looked a bit concerned. I thought certain positions were lacking. Um, but now I think things are looking positive. I like the look of Tabia and Adwell as a combination of tens. You know, we talk about that in a national setup with the old bigger Anscombe conversation. Mm-hmm. But I think that's a, that's another one. We've got a good combination of tens, two that can play slightly differently, but are also exciting and want to run the game and want to play the Cardiff way, if we want to, you know, talk about it like that. Um, you then talk about Back row combinations, we've got options to discuss, right? We're not talking, you know, we're talking leaving an Ellis Jenkins or a Mackenzie Martin out of the out of the 23. And if you'd have told them three weeks ago, I would have thought, oh God, you know, we're going to be having to get players in, what was it, nine players in the first training session. So, yeah, I think it's a definitely much more positive position. Benetton will obviously without a lot of players, due to international commitments, whether that be Thomas Gai or Luce said, whether that be Brex at first. I doubt the Italians are going to come back. You know, your, your Lamaros, your Braxes, I doubt they're going to play. So there's definitely an opportunity there to to get a victory before Italian players come back because I it would expect that Benetton team in week two and three, you may see drip, drip drabs of Italians coming through. And they may get take some scalps as a result of that. So Cardiff may, may be, I don't want to say lucky, but may may face mm. a weaker Benetton team than we'll see in weeks two and three compared to 
say a Leinster or a or an Ospreys or a or Cardiff even who haven't got the internationals back. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So I think I'm actually I, in terms of being ready. I think there's still questions to be answered. Uh, I wouldn't expect all the answers to be there, considering the amount of people there has been in terms of coaches, players, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But I'm actually quite hopeful of getting a result against Benetton, and I think if if there's a result to get against Benetton, that is crucial because that could really leapfrog the whole season, and that's a huge springboard for the rest of the season. Yeah, I think so. Um, I'll just put us on the right foot. I think compare us to. The other three Welsh regions, um, I'd say we've done a lot better than people were expecting. Mm. And I say that, I mean, better than Cardiff fans are expecting. You think Scarlet's have lost two on the bounce and now they go away to uh, South Africa. Probably that one of the with hardest matches With one scrum off, yeah. Um, so that's, a you know, if, if their morale's low and they get beat out there, that's going to, as you say, we talk about springboarding the season, that's really going to put a dampener on the start. And they started poorly last season, so that would have been probably one of their aims. Then you look at Ospreys and Dragons. I'll come back to the Dragons. Ospreys have won one, lost one. And they're quite, both quite close, so they're probably quite confident. They're away at Connaught. So that's quite a hard game. But then they don't have their internationals. Then they don't have as many internationals as Leinster. Um, so us and the Dragons, I think, being at home is a massive boost for the start of the season. Um, Dragons will be going to that game massively confident, having won both and narrowly one narrow win and one you know well clear win I think we're similar as you said I think because we lost by the last conversion of the game that could have gone over we'd have been looking at one win and one draw they'd have taken a massive boost out of that um but considering the off season we've had where it's kind of been absolutely brutalized by a lot in a lot of the media a lot of the social media um I don't think anyone would in if you ask me in April or May I wouldn't be that optimistic yeah. at all. You know, I'd be thinking, no, oh, we've got no chance. It's going to be awful. Whereas now, I think um, we're looking at it like, actually, we've got a pretty good chance. And if, as long as they go out and perform or play well or, you know, look like they want to be there, I think that's more than we hope for. Um, but I think what's what's good is that the, the coaches that I've seen interviews, they're talking about not necessarily this year, but next year or the season after. I've seen it before where the you know, you get hammered by someone and the head coach comes out and goes, oh, well, it's a bit of a rebuilding season. But they haven't actually changed any players. It's the same players. They're just not playing well. And then the next season, you don't play well. And that's a rebuilding season. And it's it's kind of using an excuse. Whereas now you actually feel, because there's so many youngsters, it's kind of been forced that there is actually a rebuilding season. Mm. Um, and because they're young, they could, as long as we can retain them, which we, I'll keep saying probably, but um, they could play well together there's not many internationals for obvious reasons but um we need you think of like exeter in 2015 didn't have many internationals and then that that squad went on to win the double because they were playing for extra all the time you know we're getting carried away again (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'm not saying in five years we're gonna win the double but do you know what i mean and then the internationals should come in and complement the squad not be the squad, the amount of times you're watching a team without your internationals, especially in, it feels in Welsh rugby, you think, oh, well, there's no point because we haven't got so-and-so or we haven't got um, Fowler Tower, we haven't got, you know, whoever. Whereas um, having a young squad that want to play, uh, want to play well and gel 
you know, you, you end up with a team that's going to be better than some of its parts, I think. Yeah, completely agree. I think I yeah. think there are some very talented youngsters coming through. Um, you know, and I think we've seen some of that talent coming for a while. Even those performances against Harlequins and Toulouse a couple of years ago, you know, when when all the players were in South Africa, they were battling performances. Don't get me wrong, and we were on mm. the wrong side of a hiding against Toulouse in some ways, but in other ways, it, it, we thought it was going to be a lot worse. And yes. Some of those players are now showing that potential. You've got your Cam Winnets, you've got your Theo Cabangos, you've got your Alex Manns who are coming through. And they are exciting players who are now, well, in Theo's case especially, established Cardiff players. Um, you know, we're talking about we're talking maybe Theo or maybe Alex Mann should start. We're talking Theo Cabango is starting. Cam Winnet is between him and Jacob Beethan to start. Uh, so that not even discussing it, it's it's an obvious thing. So that's I think that is exciting. And in terms of the future, that's going to be great. In terms of comparing us to the other regions, um, at this point of the season, Dragons look the strongest because they've had the best preseason and they'd be the happiest with their preseason. But I'd put us second comfortably. And then I think when you compare that game on the weekend against Ospreys, that was a game Ospreys couldn't afford to lose more than Cardiff. I think for Cardiff to lose that, okay. You never want to lose a rugby game, don't get me wrong. But having won one already, that was sort of put it in the bag and anything else is a bonus. And to go out there, dominate the set piece, as you said, against an Osprey side that, yeah, OK, without your Nicky Smiths, no no Tom Botha to pull out late on and no Thomas Francis, who's now moved on. But still, a strong front row with Reese Henry and Garen Phillips. It's a good result. Yeah. It's a really good, that's a really positive thing for a Cardiff front row that, has been maligned in the past, okay, had its moments towards the turn of the year in the festive period last year. But um, apart from that, hasn't always seen the right side of the referees. Um, yeah. So, I'm, yeah, I, I, I really am hopeful and, yeah, rebuilding season and all that. But I really think the Cardiff fans, Cardiff players, Cardiff staff should be targeting that Benetton game as a winnable game that could that could you know you take four points or five points from that that really sets you up for the season um because yeah i i really think that's a crucial crucial result for for us yeah i, th- I think it's doable as well one thing i did want to say about Dadir, um he's got a hell of a boot on him for mm. place kicking um he had two conversions in each game uh friday and the one before one was right in front of the post, so we'll ignore that. But the other three were really difficult, and he actually nailed them. So during the season, um, obviously, we didn't go for any penalties in previous season because we we're trying to test out other stuff. But um, if he's I got like that, the dragons, yeah, that's a deal. <laughs> uh, you know, it, I think we could have won that Ospreys game if we'd been kicking points. I can't really remember what penalty positions we got, but do you know what I mean? During the season against Benetton, if we're getting penalties. Um, you're just going to give the ball to him and he'd knock three points over. Um, that's a massive thing in his arsenal that we've not really used or seen yet. And that's, you know, hopefully we're not going to have too many uh, games where we're well out of well out of shots um, until the internationals come back and then it might be a different question. But I think it's also important over the season, I think Ospreys were close to, or they could have got the Champions Cup place because they lost a lot more games than us across the season. Well, they didn't mm. win as many as us, but I think 
they got more losing bonus points and more try bonus points. So over the season, that added up. In the end, they were still within a, a stone's throw of um, finishing it above us. Whereas, as you said, we we have a boom and bust. And when we lose, we lose heavily and we don't come away with anything. Um, so I'd like to see if we are going to be losing. So say that game gets repeated in the, fix, in the, the league season and we lose, we'd have come away with a try bonus point and a losing bonus point. Um, so if you're going to lose, that's the kind of loss you want to come away with, I think. Yeah. 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 Cool. I think I think that's how Ospreys work, isn't it? They, they're always there or thereabouts, but don't always get over the line, whereas Cardiff, as you say, is boom or bust. Yeah. Uh, so moving on to Wales v Georgia, do a bit of a recap and then uh, talk about the game coming up at the weekend, which I'm incredibly nervous for. Um, I just I, think I Wales, Wales v Georgia went... Yeah. I see um, everyone is, but um, ask, what are your thoughts, Wales v Georgia? If you'd have asked me, what time is kickoff? Three, two, two o'clock? Two o'clock? Two, yeah, two o'clock. If you'd have asked me at quarter to four, I'd have said, oh, good result, did well, brilliantly. If you'd have asked me at about half past five, I'd have had a slightly different opinion. Um, I, I, I don't think I'm overstating it by saying how that Falatau not being there means that a semi-final win is even less likely. I, yeah. I, I was going to say impossible, but I'm going to say I'm going to say keep some hope and say <laughs> even less likely. He's he's such a crucial player for Wales. He's such a crucial player for Cardiff, but he's such a crucial player for Wales and has been for the last decade or more. Um, I was listening to comms and um, on Raja Khemri and Nicky Robinson. Fifty-five minutes says take him off. And it's like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> just, well, I, 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 that seems the obvious thing to me. I, I just, I don't know why. I actually said it. last week in the, in the pod, I think I said, um, I wouldn't play Falatau because yeah. he's played, he played, he, he just, he hadn't played in any of the warm-up games and he played all three, all 80 minutes of all three. Um, so it's a lot of rugby and I know you need game time, but, when he was on the team sheet, I was a bit surprised. Cause I thought we, if he's not first, he's one of the first, and probably I'd say first on the team sheet for Wales. And as you said, he has been for a long time. Um, so when we're not guaranteed, pretty much guaranteed a spot in the quarter final. Oh no, sorry, we were guaranteed a quarter final, but not top. So yeah, when yeah. you think, well, we're in the quarter final anyway. Um, yeah. But I was, sorry, he, he's on the team, so let's let him play. I thought he'd get taken off at halftime. And after halftime, I literally messaged my dad and said, um, probably we really need to get Falato off now because, um, you know, we need him, really. And then, yeah, he went, went off injured like a minute later. I think, as you said, it's such a massive loss. Um, obviously going to probably use Wainwright, would you reckon? Yeah, I was just about to say, it's a weird one because it's not even the loss at eight. Because I think Wainwright's a very good eight. Uh, yeah, he's not world-class like Falato is, but he's a very good eight. I think the gap is at six. I think that's that's the huge gap. We could have got away with it if we were facing Japan because I feel like then we could have played two sevens and it wouldn't have really made that much of a difference with uh, Lavish Hagney and uh, Leach. You know, Leach plays as a winger half the time anyway. And then Lavish Hagney is not the biggest lad. So you could play two sevens and get away with it and they'd play free-flowing rugby and we'd jackal over the ball and win turnovers. That'd be sorted. Against that back row of Argentina, to play two sevens, I think it's a bit more of a risk. 
and sorry, in two terms, I should clarify Raffle and Jack Morgan Raffle, yeah, yeah. who's brilliant on the weekend. But that six position, Shunza hasn't I don't think he's pulled up any trees since playing for Wales, really. His best performance was probably against Portugal, where he played second row. And then Dan Lydia, um, well, if you're not going to play him against Georgia, when are you going to play him? Would be my I'm not argument. sure if it was Leeds, but um, I did see a post that he dashed home for... He, he'd had, he had a kid, had a, sorry, yeah. A child, so sorry, yeah. Apologies, anyway. Lydia. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, say, I, I do like Lydia. You know, if he's... I don't. Has he played at the World Cup yet? Yeah, he, in the played, games. he played against Portugal, which frustrated Did me he? because that was a game which wasn't really to his his skill set, really. Yeah. So I mean, there's a few questions about the setup and the balance. I think, but as you said, but it was always a risk with a. We only had one specialist eight. Like you said what Wainwright? I think Wainwright plays six of the Dragons, doesn't he? Uh, he plays a bit of everything. He, he, he definitely, everything, yeah. definitely played seven as well and eight. I think it's it. They seem to mix and match that every week. You know, Ollie Griffiths plays eight sometimes. Basham plays eight. Harrison Kelly has played eight in the past. Obviously, Moriarty played six and eight. So he's he's got plenty of experience at eight. It's just, do you want your six playing eight in a World Cup quarter final? Not not yeah. really. I said, in fairness, in the warm-ups and the games he has played, he's been really impressive. Point, right? oh, yeah. I, I was surprised he got picked because you look at back rows, I think you kind of lump all back rows together. And I was there with my Cardiff shirt on going. Um, why isn't Thomas Young or both in there? And they bring different things. But then I've not necessarily watched him that much of the Dragons. Um, but I think it was Gatlin that pushed him to the fore in the first place. And then... He kind of went under the radar with Pivak a little bit. Um, and Pivak famously said Jack Morgan was too small. So, um, less, less I'll say about that, the better, probably, I think, <laughs> yeah. at this moment in time. Um, but yeah, he's he's obviously one of uh, people tend to not have favorites, but you know, what I mean, you're either in favor or you're kind of not. And, and in fairness, with Ring right, he's, he's played really, really well, he's really athletic. Um, he's probably the most Falatau like, Falatau like. Would you say, you know, because Falatau is not, I think he's overlooked, isn't it? You know, we know he's world class and a lot of people do kind of recognise that. He's, he doesn't do that much that's really flashy and he's not the biggest eight. Um, so it's really, it's kind of hard to describe why he's so good. It's just, I think his work rate's huge. He's, he's really nimble, really agile. And, you know, he just pops up all over the place. And there are times where, you see him for Cardiff and you're, you're on the back foot and you're retreating and somehow Falatau will just grab it and just completely, almost like grabs other people around him and, and turns the tide. Um, I, he's, he's the best eight I've ever seen off a retreating scrum, I think. Yeah. As in, in, in the modern era, I, am, I can't really speak about previous, obviously, but in the modern era, he's the best best off a retreating scrum I've seen. And um, yeah, okay, you could argue that's maybe because New Zealand weren't retreating very often in the scrum, but, but Falatau is world-class and it's his footwork is the thing that gets me it's it's the little stutter step always tends to either hit a weak shoulder and then get over the gain line or beat the first man and it's so crucial to how Wales want to play uh Wainwright is a very good player plays slightly differently he'll come on harder lines I expect it'll be more sort of um coming out to win towards the ruck trying to beat inside defenders and lazy defenders that way and probably using a bit more of his speed because he's more of a um, probably more athletic than Falatau is by now. 
Um, and yeah, I think, well, I sort of slated Lizzie at there a bit and apologies. I had completely forgotten that he's gone to have a kid, which is completely justifiable. If if you're going to pick a six, I think Lydia is the man for this game. I know a lot of people are very pro Jack Morgan, Tommy Raphael, based on Raphael's performance, and I think Jack Morgan's undroppable, as we we don't need to discuss. But um, Lydia, if you want someone to just chop down trees, um, I don't know why I keep on talking about <laughs> pulling up trees and <laughs> talking about trees. But if you want someone to chop down trees, Lydia's your man, and uh, that's that's what I'm excited to see. Um, I think I think he will be the selection. I'd be very surprised if Gatlin goes with a slightly more risky selection of um, Rafael and, and Morgan because that is so un-Gatlin-esque to go risk. Yeah. He, may, he may go with that risk in a semi-final where we're going to be underdogs, but in this game where it's going to be like versus like, I'd be surprised if, um, if it's not Lydia he calls on. Yeah, I can't. I mean, apart from Falata, we've also potentially lost Anscombe. He's been jogging with the physios, um, so yeah. that's good news. He's not ruled out yet, but he might be. Um, now, surprise, Bigger, obviously running out of options, Bigger went onto the bench, even though he was out of the game. With uh, that, he's, he's been reported as back, so he's, he's at least he's back. Um, yeah. How do you but... feel about Costello on the bench? Uh, I mean, not that we have any choice because there's three fly-offs and one's out. But well, apparently we do have choice. But I'll, I'll, I'll come to that in a sec. But um, yeah, the the Costello thing. I felt sorry for him on the weekend because you, you called in five minutes before kickoff, and for the first ten minutes he looked shaky. I'm not going to lie, he did look really shaky. After that, some brilliant touches. That pass to Liam Williams is really class. That is superb bit of skill, um, and that is what he can bring to the game. I don't want to. I don't want to say I'd be uncomfortable with him because I'd have said the same thing about Anscombe coming onto the pitch against Australia, and then Anscombe goes mm. and kicks twenty three points, and you know, equal. I think that was the rec, that's equaling Dan Bigger's record for most points in a World Cup game. So, in terms of what he can offer, it, the goal kicking is maybe the concern slightly. Mm. Um, so I wouldn't be stunned to see Halfpenny on the bench as well. Wouldn't yeah, be stunned. I was going to say that. Also, Liam Williams was. Crutch, crutching, seen walking around crutching. Everyone said that's a precaution. Yeah. Um, I don't know that was a thing to just walk on crutches uh, <laughs> unless you need them, but yeah, I don't know what I'm talking about really. But um, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see happening at all if if his kicking is like it can be. Um, but I, I wouldn't have been surprised to see him in the later stages anyway, where the games are a bit more cagey and a bit more. You know, people or teams try not to lose it rather than try and win it a little bit more. Um, I think for us, certainly, um, they're going to be close games. We're going to try and slow it down, and, and it's going to be penalty based. And I don't, you know, we're not going to be going out to play um, the Welsh way and throw one to tries. I can't see us doing that. So, I mean, it's difficult because I mean, half Fenny's a great player. Um, there's always questions about when is he back because he when he was. On form, I think he's probably the best. I'm going to say the best fullback in the world. Yeah. Defensively, there was there's that period where it wasn't last World Cup. It was the one before because I watched him get stretched off against Italy in that warm up game. 2015, yeah, yeah, yeah. And at that point in time, if you got a penalty anywhere 
even in your own 10 meter inside your own half. Um, you just go and slot them. It was an absolute machine. So um, I would be surprised to see him start because I think Liam Williams is his class as well. So just on half penny, I think actually 2013 he should have won World Player of the Year. Um, but that's that's by the by. Um, I thought <laughs> I, I thought he was the best player in the world at that stage. But um, I think he came second to Kieran Reid, if I'm right, um, on the back of that Lions tour. Um, but Halfpenny isn't the same player he used to be. I think we all know that as an attacking threat, he's limited. And I don't mm. mean that harshly. I think that's fair. Um, <laughs> I don't know how that isn't harshly. But I'm trying to trying to soften it. I think it's a bit harsh on no, I mean, I, to not, not have him in 23, but at the same time, yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean. Halfpenny was... There's a, it was like a change where I think it was after that injury. Before that, he could do everything. Mm. And after he, he came back as a brilliant defensive fullback, um, but, you know, he didn't have that same um, attacking threat that he used to see. Um, didn't have a brilliant player. Yeah, mm. that was it. Um, still a brilliant player. And yeah, you then get into the question of, well, who do you drop? And I think I've said before where I think Wales has got a really good starting 15, maybe not world-class or, or up with the top sort of three or four teams based on the rankings, but a really good 15. I think that Wales has always played better than the sum of its parts, and we've always put out performances and beaten teams that we shouldn't be beating because on paper you look at the two and go, well, I wouldn't pick any of those 15 over those 15. And then um, they put in a performance that people aren't expecting. But when you go into the, the bench... And the, the deeper squad, I think that's where we kind of come up short a little bit because it's not like for like. And you see that with Falatau. It's a perfect example of he's the, probably, I'd say him and Bigger, the, or Bigger and or Anscombe. Um, and that's why it was a worry they were both injured on Saturday. Um, they're probably players that are vital. Yeah. Um, I think George North is up there as well because of... Um, the slight lack of form of some of the centres around him, um, as in Johnny and uh, um, Mason Grady. But the, the 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 big thing you asked me earlier, sorry to rough rack, but to Costello on this will lead quite nicely into Argentina predictions, is the thing that would concern me most about Costello is um, the kick battle. And not necessarily even his kicking. It would be defensively, catching and I'm not saying he's bad at the high ball but bigger is superb mm. but also so so too is Juan Cruz Malia and Buffelli in that Argentinian back three they are brilliant under the high ball and they are going to come with that all day and that's something which I wonder why Kieran Hardy's been brought in because his kicking game as we saw out in South Africa was really good and that was why he was selected ahead of Gareth Davis by Pivac back then um, the, the other reason that Kieran Hardy's been brought in is the consideration of Thomas Williams as a second slash third choice 10, which um, explains, yeah, I, I, that, I, I, I don't even know where to start on that. That, that really frustrates I think, me. I, I think that's whether it's, because Costello was listed as the third emergency scrum off. Oh yeah. Well, and yeah. Thomas Williams is listed as potentially a third emergency, fourth emergency fly off. So that's why they brought Kieran Hardy in because you can't have if, if one of them goes injured, you then haven't got any backup for the other position. If you know what I mean, um, yeah. I'd be incredibly surprised to see Thomas Williams playing fly half at the World Cup unless 
you know, if it happened in the match and you're running out of substitutions. Um, but, yeah, I don't know what, what... It depends if Anscombe is going to be fit. If he... If, they, if they're confident that Anscombe's going to recover by Saturday or potentially the semi-final, it makes sense. Um, there's also the, the saying that they want to re reduce the training load on Gareth Davis and Thomas Williams. So um, they have been hammering it. And, and to be fair, I think most of the other countries have taken three scrum offs. Four, four. Yeah, so I think that raised some questions from Gatland at the start of the World Cup. So it kind of makes sense that that's the first position they've called up. Um, Maybe. Um, there's a cynic in me that thinks if you've got a team plum tree um, who's playing well, you've got Max Llewellyn in there who maybe can offer a bit more centre cover for players who aren't playing that well, which I think we can all agree Mason and Johnny haven't been. Um, that might be a good option. Um the the other thing for for me, for me actually is I was going to say uh, it's a shame Tom, uh, Lloyd Williams isn't around because yeah. not to bring back Echoes of twenty fifteen but also think of that game against Connacht where uh, he played ten do you remember when um, I can't remember who got injured at fly half I want to say Priestland got injured at fly half and it must have been someone else afterwards as well but um, yeah he stepped in at ten with Thomas at nine so yeah and he had a really good game but he went out of the match so. Um, <laughs> If I mean, gonna... it can be done. I think it shows it shows more of where the depth is in the yeah and uh, the wider Wales squad and it, and it's... you know you mentioned about Mason Brady's not playing that well and um or hasn't been playing that well in the World Cup. To be I was surprised he went. I thought Joe Roberts played really well in the warm-ups. Um, yeah, he took a knock, didn't he? I oh, did. He? I didn't mm -hmm. realize that. And they say Mason Brady's got the, the versatility because he can play on wing. I think yeah. we're pretty well covered on wing, but um. Costello again, as you said, he's. I think he will be great, or you know, he already is great, but I think he will be really great. Um, but these are all young players, and they haven't got many caps. And the World Cup's not a place to be learning that. You know, you think Grady's twenty-one and what seven caps or something? Yeah, it, the, the selection of top uh, Kieran does say something else to me, which is Gatland maybe doesn't trust the other fly halves, which is slightly concerning. Looking, I, I realise. We're in a World Cup bubble and we need to focus on this World Cup. But looking beyond this World Cup, looking to that Six Nations, you've got, you're not going to have bigger, you're probably not going to have Anscombe. I, I can't remember. Yeah, Anscombe's definitely not available, is he, because of Japan commitment. So yeah. you're then left with Costello plus possibly an Owen Williams plus a Johan Lloyd, Will Reed, a Dan Edwards, take your pick, whichever one that is, or even Adwell Robson, the way he's started the season. So that is slightly concerning for me, um, but yeah, I uh, that, that that is we we are we have actually I've realised I've sort of sidetracked this without talking about it was a good win we did well we won the game <laughs> we got the four point we got the five points that we we only needed one Lucy Savitt scored a hat trick played brilliantly um, Tommy Rafael played brilliantly but um, I suppose that sort of shows our mindsets which were. That game was a game to get through and get into that quarterfinal rather than a game that we needed any fireworks from, really. Yeah, I think it's just that injury. Anscombe looked like he was going to be off for a long time. Yeah. Um, I think everyone watching that thought, oh my God, he's you know done something awful. Which, after the build-up he's had to get back fit, I think everyone was bro broken-hearted about that. Um, hopefully it's not as bad as it looked or he thought it looked or you know, felt or whatever. 
Um, yeah, so it's kind of hard to come away from that feeling really positive. I think we have to because I don't feel like it's not really been mentioned. That, well, normally when we win really well, there's an excuse. Like it's either the referee or it was raining or, you know, whatever, whatever the narrative <laughs> is of the week. Um, but I don't, I don't feel like Georgia played particularly badly. Um, no. In the same way, I don't think Fiji played quite well. Like Fiji, Fiji have kind of gone disjointed since... Um, they played us. They thought that they played their best against us. Um, Australia were poor, but we we were ruthless. Um, and yeah, with Georgia, I don't feel that they played particularly badly. We got some lucky bounces and and a bit of you make your own luck. But um, you know, I don't think I wasn't expecting that margin at all. I was expecting kind of like a close fought ten plus victory for us. Um, the yeah, only so, thing I'd yeah, the only thing I'd say on Georgia is they just couldn't cope without uh, a member of that pendulum, especially their best player. I think Ninyashvili getting yellow carded. I know Basham went off for us, but it, it cost them a lot more. Yeah. I think that was the, that was the only thing I'd say. Otherwise, it was, um, yeah, pretty professional performance, as coaches would like to say, really, and uh, yeah. putting the putting the opposition away. Yeah. Same with some of the Portugal. I think Portugal played really well against us. Um, there's a lot of people saying we scraped through or we um, were rattled or whatever. I, I think the, the bonus point question may have been in question, but I don't think we were ever that close to losing that game. That being said, Georgia were what, one point behind us at one point. Um, even with all that, I'd, I never got the impression we were going to lose that game. And as soon as we got the fourth try, it didn't really matter anyway. But um, yeah, th- those injuries really taking the shine off it. And I think that, that kind of exposed what I'd kind of been thinking for a while, which is that if we have our best 15 out. As you said, you don't want to say the semi-final is impossible. Very unlikely. We've gone to very, 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 very unlikely. Um, but then, fingers crossed. It's yeah, I, I still think we will beat Argentina, mind you. There, yeah, there we go. It's positive. positive. Yeah, so <laughs> um, how, what, what predictions for Argentina? Obviously, Wales win, but Comfortably, closely. Um, look, my one, I, th- I think we'll beat Argentina. The one concern is Argentina have got better from the start of the group stages. The opposite argument is they couldn't get any worse. Um, but they grew throughout it. They have got a solid team. They've got a solid front row with a good ball carrier. Uh, well, two good ball carriers in Gallo and Montoya. You've, you've got a second row partnership that when they keep their heads and try not to take anyone else's, they're quite solid. Um <laughs> Yes, that was it. Yeah, yeah. I enjoyed that. Um, moving on, uh, Matera's out. That's a huge loss for them. Um, yeah, that, that nothing more to say on that. It's a huge loss. Um, and you, we talk about Falatau being a loss for us. That's a, that's one of their has been in the past world class players. Um, Gonzalez is a very good eight. Kramer is a very good seven. They seem to Carrera seems to have sorted himself out a little bit at ten because at the start of the tournament he was just a headless chicken, rabbit in the headlights, whatever metaphor you want and describe that because he was terrible. Um, the other career us on the wing is superb, real real big threat. Bertrand at nine, we've seen what he can be like. He can be decent. He can be extremely poor, depending on the day. Um, Dragons fan, I know that better than anyone else. The centres are operational and then you've got a very good back three. So, there are strengths to that size, and it's about it's about um, 
it's about exposing their weaknesses. And I think the weaknesses are the halfbacks, some of the discipline as well. I think you can take advantage of the discipline. And hmm. as far as taking advantage of poor discipline, Wales have been up there with the best sides in the tournament so far um, and being clinical. And that's another thing Wales have been superb at so far in this tournament. You know, we talk about Georgia. We were, we were exceptionally clinical in that game. We were exceptionally clinical against Fiji. Okay, maybe we could have done with a couple more tries against Portugal and uh, uh, Australia, but we still got a bonus point in one of them and three tries in the other. So it's not... It's about... If Wales play how they have been through that tournament, they'll beat Argentina. That's, yeah. that's my opinion. So with, with what you just said and... Ignore the rankings. Um, do you think if Argentina turn up on Saturday like they played against Japan, which I think we can agree was the best? Yeah. Um, most people are in agreement generally that Paul D has had the lowest sort of quality rugby. Mm-hmm. Um, but if Argentina turn up on Saturday against us like they did against Japan, ignoring the rankings, would you say they're the toughest opponents we've had so far? No, I still think it's Fiji. Yeah. To be honest. Yeah. I'd I I say the same. I think if we. If we play like we did against Fiji and even Australia, because Australia didn't turn up, but then we didn't let them turn up. Um, yeah, I can see us doing it. Uh, not com- you don't say comfortably. I can see us. I could easily see us winning, but then I could easily see that Argentina turning up like a pack of wild animals and you know, absolutely gunning for gunning for that game. Um, and if I think what's what's nice is from a neutral point of view. Um, Wales and Argentina both building tournaments, obviously. Um, mm. You know, we say that Wales Wales progress as we as we go through tournaments, and Argentina have because they were woeful against England, and the game against Japan was a cracker. So it's mm. converging really nicely. Um, and I don't think that there aren't any maybe England Fiji. I think all of the quarterfinals could go either way if people bring their A game. I think if Fiji and England play their best. England aren't playing their best at the moment, um, but the best that we've seen the last few months. Um, that could go either way. And then the other two on the other side of the draw are um, box office. So, Yeah, I've I'm, I'm, got to be honest, the Fiji-England game is going to be very interesting. I think that's that's one that's, um, it, it, you know, obviously, and I think, I think it doesn't take a genius to work this out. It's about how England try and stop Fiji as opposed to how Fiji stop England. Um because not just the result they had a month ago at Twickenham, but Fiji play in a way that England could try, will try and restrict. And that's that's the English game. They're going to try and dominate up front. They're going to use George Ford, play, to be honest, similar to they did against Argentina with 14 men. And if they get away with that, it could be could be cracking. For the flip side of that, Fiji have got a couple of big decisions to make. You saw against, you know, in terms of, them getting worse. You said earlier they've they've got worse since they played Wales. I I'm not 100 sure if that's completely accurate. I think it's more they've played a slightly different way depending on the opposition. Against Australia, they brought in I can't remember his name, but the other scrum half to Lamani who just kicked the kicked his kicks because they have an issue at ten at the moment. And the loss of months before tournament was heartbreaking for Fiji because he's such a good goal kicker and such a reliable ten and controller of the game. Against Portugal, they just tried to kick to the corner every time, didn't even bother taking points. They're going to have to do the opposite of that against England. They're going to have to keep the scoreboard ticking over. And then if they get a sprinkling of Stardust, brilliant try from Habosi, Nathalie, and take your pick with the brilliant backs. 
then that's brilliant. Yeah, I, suppose, I suppose I should clarify. When I say played their best, I suppose I'm talking the old-fashioned way of um, exciting rugby yeah. scoring tries, you know, the classic Fiji that we know. Um, they played much better, as in smarter rugby against Australia. You know, they were kicking points. They were going for the touch when they needed to. Um, it was a lot more tactical. I think I made a joke saying, oh, if Fiji have what, you know, the Fijian seven-style rugby in their locker that we know and are playing really intelligent, um, playing for territory and able to kick points over, they're going to be a massive threat. And it's kind of that. Um, there's so many times against Portugal where they had, obviously, if you haven't got, a, they would have beaten us if they had a confident place kicker, I think, because they mm. turned down loads of points. They turned down points against Portugal and then ended up obviously losing by a point. Um, and they didn't need... They didn't need to win that game. They just needed a losing bonus point. So they were, um, yeah, it was a good 10, 15 minute period where they kept going for the corner, weren't getting anything. And, you know, you turned down like nine, 12 points, um, which ironically would have would have won them the game if all else been equal. So The other problem Fiji are going to have in that game is set piece and not the scrum, the lineup, because that's not operated at all throughout this tournament. Um Matavese is a brilliant player and I'm not putting it all on the hooker. It's not. They've got two second rows who are, utility forwards and that's partly the issue um so and if there's ever a side to lap that up it's going to be England with Courtney Laws at the front of the line you've got your Toji you've got your Chesham that's that's a defensive line out dream to be honest and they're going to lap up lap up anything that Fiji throw poorly in at them um I I still think Fiji will win I don't know if this is just blind Find hope, and um, and I, that's not anti-English. I, I want to say that's that's pro pro Fiji because I'm so excited about this side. But um, they do have a question to who they pick at halfbacks. I think both halfbacks have question mark over them for different reasons. Whether you want a kicking scrum half or whether you want Teti Tala versus Batita, who to me is a centre playing ten, just as as obvious. Teta's Teti Tala is similar as well. But um, I still think Fiji will get the nod over. England. Um, yeah, I think it'll be close. I, I, I think they'll win as well. Just, um, I think they will use Portugal as a bit of a, an eye opener. I think they're probably feeling lucky that they're in the quarterfinals um, because whilst I really wanted Portugal to win, I also really wanted Fiji to get through to the quarterfinals. So it was kind of a great result from that point of view. But um, yeah, I think they will not be resting on their laurels. Whereas if they'd smashed Portugal, I think they would have potentially gone into the England game a bit, well, potentially um, a bit over, overconfident maybe. And I think that will have been removed. So hopefully turn up firing on all cylinders. Um, it's, it's not like England aren't limping in there either as well. Should have mentioned yeah. that. They, they, they were terrible against Samoa. So. Yeah. And yeah, yeah they... With, with England, it's almost like because they're ranked higher and because it's England and they're you know uh, traditionally very confident and I feel like Fiji getting to the quarterfinals will give them a confidence boost no matter how they get there, whereas England getting to a quarterfinals is almost expected, especially in the pool they're in. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, it doesn't look like England's a very happy, positive camp at the moment, generally, with some of the performances. And, um, you know, you kind of feel Fiji would be like, oh, yeah, we're, we're lucky to be here. Well, not lucky, you know, we've earned it, but we're in the quarterfinals, whereas England, I think, would be, oh, we're, we're lucky to be here in the quarterfinals. Um, even though yeah, they've, 
they've won four out of five, won four out of four, and you said they've done the job. But I don't think they've done it as, um, you know, probably an easier pool than Pool C. Um, I don't think they've done it as competently or convincingly as we have. No, I think I think both sides have had a side that have underachieved, and I'm, I'm talking about Argentina in that first game in Australia. Um, but I, I think both of the Pool C was uh, Fiji were a lot more competitive than a Samoa, who I was hoping after their performance pre, um, pre-World Cup against Ireland were going to be pushing those two sides. They ended up being fourth, I think. So that, that says a lot. Um, I was just going to ask you briefly, who are your two other semi-finalists? Uh, so I think it's really difficult, obviously. Uh, it could go either way. It's probably coin toss for most of them. I'd say France, I think, as host nations, I think they're going to have so much support. And they've not, they're a bit quiet against New Zealand, even though they won convincingly. Um, I think that was very tactically. Um, losing DuPont, I think, was massive. So him coming back in, I think, is going to give them such a massive boost. Um, and then on the other side, I'm going to shade it with the All Blacks, just because when they play well, they play really well. I know Ireland, Ireland are really consistently good all the time. Um, I think when the All Blacks fire, even though they're not haven't fired much in the last year, they just go to a different level. I think. Um, yeah, and I don't know if if it's that classic. It's almost like it's almost like uh, South Africa versus New Zealand always used to be. You know, South Africa are strong and physical, and the All Blacks are quick and fast and you know skillful. And which is going to win out? It could go either way, but I'm, I just think the All Blacks. Um, yeah, I think I have just got a feeling. Really, that's it. It's not based on anything. I just got a, a bit of feeling. I, I could I could easily see it going the other way in both matches, though. Yeah, four years ago, obviously, Ireland had beaten New Zealand and then went into a quarterfinal and got hammered. Um, I don't see it happening like that again. Ireland have got some big injuries. James Ryan is a big injury. Um, see what happens with the wings, but um. The structure is so good. It's so good. And it's ridiculous that Jameson Big Gibson Park goes out on the wing as a scrum half and plays brilliant rugby, creates a couple of tries. And it's just like I I I can't see beyond them at the moment in that set in that quarterfinal. I think New Zealand needs to create a bit of havoc and I think they need to drop Bowden Barrett. And I that would have been blasphemous for me to say in a couple of years ago. But I think um, Mackenzie is playing brilliant rugby and needs to play at some position. I think that position is full back. And then the, uh, as the other quarterfinal, that one is a coin toss for me. And I think largely why that's a coin toss is how fit is Dupont. Like there's there's playing fit when you're in front of your home crowd in a home World Cup that you're unlikely to play in again versus match fit. And I, I don't think he can be the latter. So no, there must be some questions about how much he's obviously not trained since he's no. been off, and you know there's always questions of he in particular loves playing minutes. He just, as you said, we we're questioning Gatlin for having Falatau on, and they had a similar thing because it was against Romania. Um, was it Romania? No, Namibia. No, Nam- Namibia. Um, you know, you didn't really need to be in that game, but then you need to have game time and it's a balance, but you can get injured against anyone, but um, losing him and Untermach 
I think would be quite a big blow. So, um, yeah, it, yeah, as you said, I think it's a coin toss. It depends if, as you said, if Dupont turns up and he's back to the best that we know he can be, um, I'd pit France. I think that's probably what we'll see, but could go either I, way. I think if you go player for player, that's the closest game. If you say, you know, do you take this player or, or this player and keep going for the whole 15? I think that's the closest one and pick a selected 15 because I think you'd you, you do you'd be biased if you got more than eight, seven, one way, really. Um, not that I've done it off the, but doing it off the top of my head now. Whereas I think the other games, it's a little bit more 10 5, that sort of situation yeah. currently on form. Um, yeah, I I really don't know. I'm 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 going to say South Africa just to be different to you for for one thing, but also also um I've I have said since the tournament, since about a week before the tournament that South Africa would win it. And I still think that um despite their loss to Ireland, despite France being at home and they were my picks three weeks before the tournament. So uh, anyway, but by, by next week, I may be picking Ireland. Who knows? <laughs> so, <laughs> well, I've got Ireland in the office sweepstakes, so um, I'm still pretty happy either way. Um, <laughs> I've just got a feeling. I don't know why. I've got a feeling it's going to be a New Zealand-France final. And uh, I think before the tournament, I would have said um, Ireland-South Africa. So I've completely gone the other way. <laughs> I just I'm the, think I'm the opposite. <laughs> beating the French beating... Uh, the All Blacks at home in a final. I think it's just uh, for some reason I've got it as a fairy tale ending for them, and I think the stars are going to align, and that's just what I can see in my head. So um, yeah, I, I had the complete flip of that, which was I had France New Zealand final, New Zealand beating France opening day, and then France winning the final. That was my initial prediction, and now I would say Ireland to that. Yeah, I would say I could go either way. Uh, I'm looking forward to it anyway. I think we all are. Yeah, uh, we'll leave it there. Um, I'll give another shout out to the uh, Super Brew Predictor game. I did I did post a little tweet about it. Um, it's really fun. It's really easy. Um, they also do fantasy uh, fantasy league as well. If you pick yourself as Cardiff fan, um, you join in the same pot as everyone else. Um, and yeah, we'll leave it there for this week. Um, hope everyone has a good weekend watching the rugby um, and whatever else you might be doing. Um, although it's probably going to be that if you're listening to this. Um, and we'll be joined next week uh, for another edition of this. We're talking about the Treviso game and uh, hopefully talking about semi final. Thank you for listening to the Cardiff Central podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. Please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to us as it really helps spread the word. You can find us on all the usual social media channels or email us on welshregionalrugbypod at gmail.com. And remember, whatever the question is, rugby is always the answer. Sports Social Podcast Network.